Bobby Raymond grew up two blocks away from the Atlantic Ocean on the coast of Florida. Naturally, he learned to surf as a teenager, and his passion for the sport grew. When I was in high school, I'd wake up at 6 in the morning a lot of times. I didn't have to leave the house till after 7. I'd jump up and check the waves. And if they looked really good, worth going out, you know, I'd go out and get a little session in before I had to leave for high school. A good wave before class was exactly what Raymond needed to start his day. It's something that's very relaxing. It's great exercise. It's good being out in the water. You know, you're in nature. Just the sound of the waves breaking behind you is very therapeutic for a lot of people. Just the sound of the ocean and waves rolling in. Bobby Raymond went on to become the starting kicker for the University of Florida in 1983 and 84. He finished his time at school as one of the most accurate kickers in college football history. His field goal percentage? Nearly 88 points on his career. Since then, he's had numerous parents reach out to him asking what they can do to help their child achieve that same success. If you really want to be a good kicker, let him play a lot of sports. Don't start him out at eight years old or 10 years old and do nothing but kick, because in my opinion, he won't turn out to be very good. In fact, Raymond didn't start kicking until his senior year of high school. Before then, he was just a defensive back who played soccer. He wasn't trying to be a star kicker, just a good athlete. The same athlete who loved nothing more than waking up at 6 a.m. in search of the perfect wave. You need balance in life. You need to play sports. You need to make both of your legs strong. You can't just keep kicking a football with your right foot. Eventually, you're going to get worn out. And you can't just be a kicker and expect to go out there under pressure and perform all the time. You need other experiences to prepare you for that. In a game as violent as football, where top athletes fight tooth and nail for mere inches in an attempt to make the other physically submit, how is it possible that winners and losers, championships and dynasties can be determined by a kicker? It doesn't add up, and yet it's an essential element to the game I love. I've spent the past few years fascinated by these athletes and tracking down some of the best to ever kick a football in search of what makes them succeed. Over 10 chapters, I'll do my best to explain the kicker position and what I believe it takes to make a champion. I'm Cole Weinstein, and this is Locked On Presents Through the Uprights, Chapter 3, Jack of All Trades. The idea is simple enough. The best kickers are athletes who've had an array of experiences rather than spending their whole lives specializing. That's what you did as a kid. I couldn't imagine growing up and singling myself into one position or one sport. And then getting to high school, I played football, soccer. And then my last two years, so my junior and senior year, I played golf. That's the first ever Lou Groza Award winner, Joe Allison. During the 1992 season, when Allison was awarded the prize for top amateur kicker, he led college football in field goals made, as well as percentage, only missing one kick. Playing a lot of sports helped him rise to that challenge. So within those different sports, again, competing in each one, having different things come up within those different sports that stick in your brain and, and you take that as a learning experience. As a kicker playing in college, those learning experiences might be the one thing that gives you an edge. When you get to a certain level, everybody's good, and then the mental part is what takes over. Maybe playing in different sports and being able to adapt to the different various, and I think that the mental side, the guys that can make it mentally maybe have been around different sports, or maybe that, that little league pitcher on the mound in a tournament, and he's got to throw that last pitch. It's just, it's just you out there on the mound. Second ever Lou Groza Award winner, former University of Florida kicker, Judd Davis. 
mentally, I think, you know, it definitely helps versus just doing one thing and not knowing any other, any other ways of how to approach things mentally and how to handle pressure. Because pressure is, I've always said that one of two things happens, you either fold or you focus and you don't know what, which one type of person you are until you feel that intense pressure. So definitely I agree with Bobby Raymond in that aspect. Kickers that grew up playing a lot of different sports are given those chances to feel the intense pressure of competition. From a young age, they learn the ways pressure can manifest itself in different games, and more importantly, how to deal with it. There is a balance to their athletic experience that you just can't find if you only play kicker your entire life. In fact, the act of kicking itself is an unbalanced one. Kicking is a very asymmetrical movement, and it's not the way the human body's meant to. You're not meant to slam one half of your body into the ground and then swing and rotate your other half around it. You know, it's just not not natural. So, I, you know, I hate to see any young kid think they're going to become a great kicker by just going out, just swinging their leg and kicking a bunch of balls. That's 10-year NFL veteran Nate Kading, who at one point was the most accurate kicker in NFL history. In 2000, the Des Moines Register named Kading the Iowa High School Athlete of the Year. As a senior, he helped lead his Iowa City West High Trojans to state championships in soccer, basketball, and football. He was a captain on all three teams. It's something that scouts look at, special teams coaches, head coaches, you know, has this kicker or punter, have these guys also played other sports growing up? Do they have a, you know, are they athletes? And when I say athlete, I don't mean like, are they fast and can they jump high and lift a bunch of weight, but are they, do they have kind of an athletic mindset and approach to the, to the craft and to the skill? Because kicking is more than just hitting a ball over and over again. If you get some guys who's sort of quirky and they just only kick, you know, he's not well as well suited than the guy that's also wrestled or is the pitcher on the baseball team or whatever that might be. Because you pick up all these other intangible skill sets by being a part of a team, by, you know, working through adversity, by challenging yourself. In soccer, I played center midfield. I was our team captain for years, and, and I always took all of the free kicks because I was the most accurate. I could put the ball on the guy's head or on the guy's foot, wherever it needed to go. That was just an example. That was one example of uh, what I did before my college career that prepared me well for kicking. Raymond had no idea those very free kicks would prepare him for the challenge of SEC football. And you have all of that pressure. You've got everybody in the stands staring at you. You're on national TV. It's a lot of pressure. You've got to be able to handle that well. The guys who have been on teams before, been in leadership positions, they are used to having to perform under pressure. They're used to having to make clutch plays. But it isn't just soccer. That's the obvious comparison. Certainly playing soccer prepares you for being a soccer style kicker. Clearly, I mean, that's the motion that you're using to kick a football. The difference with a football is it's, it's sitting still when you're kicking it. It's not moving like a soccer ball. Growing up, Raymond played football, soccer, and pitched in baseball. In a lot of those teams I was on, I was a team captain. Many times I was the best guy on the team. And so I was used to being a leader, and I was used to you know, having to perform and, and be in pressure situations. And so I had been part of the team. I knew what it, you know, what it meant to be a team member, to not let your teammates down. And when it comes to kicking a field goal, it's pretty easy to see if you let your teammates down or not. It's such a specific result-oriented position to where you, you make it or you miss it. There's no in-between. That's former Louisville kicker and four-year starter Art Carmody. On top of winning the 2006 Lou Groza Award, he left college holding 21 of 22 kicking records. 
He was also a pitcher on his high school baseball team. You're trying to do the same thing every time. You know, you're trying to execute one pitch at a time. You can't think about, okay, I've got this batter coming up. I need to get three strikes. You're thinking one pitch, then the next pitch, then the next pitch. The same thing with kicking. You're just, you're one kick at a time. You either make it or you miss it, and then you move on to the next one. Two actions that created a similar feeling. I enjoyed having the ball in my hands, the pressure moments on the mound, and I think you have to have that mentality as a kicker. You, you have to have, you want the ball to be on your foot to win a game. You want to have that control. So I think there's some similarities there in regards to pitching and kicking. It's easy to see how playing soccer translates to success in kicking, but pitching isn't as outwardly obvious. Both motions are so distinct and seem nothing alike, but the mindset needed to excel at them is similar. 18-year NFL kicking veteran Nick Lowry also agrees. Just like the pitcher is on an island and has to be able to manage his or her state and, you know, be able to have some equanimity, some consistency no matter what happens. And of course, those are skill sets that are good for life. When Lowry retired from the NFL in 1996, he was ranked first all-time in field goals made and percentage. He also pitched in high school, and during his time at Dartmouth, he told me he had a 1.0 earned run average as a freshman. Lowry's father was a senior member of the CIA. Because of that, Lowry grew up in both England and Germany, where he was exposed to rugby, baseball, basketball, and of course, soccer. What he wasn't exposed to was football, at least not until his early teens when he moved back to the United States put a ball on the tee and it was like magic. It just seemed very natural and easy. Nick Lowry was a naturally gifted athlete who excelled at a lot of sports at a young age. He had experience kicking a ball through soccer and rugby, but it wasn't until he tried field goal kicking in the States that he realized his true gift. What was great about kicking was learning to balance and control not only my body, but my mind, learning to relax. Lowry got his insight from pitching as well. That transformed into thinking about the physical actions that I would marry with what I visualized as I trained so that more and more and more everything I did when I trained was helping me visualize and see myself as calm and consistent and powerful when I performed. Doug Blevins, former kicking consultant on the New York Jets while Lowry was there, agrees. So it's very, very similar, especially from the mental component. It really is. Uh, that's why I'm fascinated with both positions, and I love, I love pitching. Jeff Yeager is another NFL kicking veteran with a wide variety of sports under his belt. Prior to his 12-year career in the league, he was a four-sport athlete in high school, football, track, wrestling, and of course, pitching in baseball. When I pitched, I enjoyed that because, you know, within the framework of baseball, it was a lot more fun for me because I was hit on every play. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the element of really feeling like you're in control. Not only does this foreshadow Jaeger's competitiveness and need to be the guy who makes the play, a trait vital for successful kickers, but it begins to paint a picture. I gravitated towards positions or sports where it was more you're dependent on yourself. You know, track, I really enjoyed because it was, it was just me. I kind of looked at it like, you know, me against the clock. Original Lou Groza Award winner Joe Allison, on the other hand, he learned to beat the clock growing up by serving on a pit crew. 
on race day, my job was carrying tires for the right side tire change. And that was before you only carried one. I had to carry both. You practice and you practice and you practice and you almost become like a robot. It's kind of equal to a field goal or an extra point rep. The clock is running. A pit crew is a unit where each member has a specific role. The quicker everyone does their job correctly, the faster the car gets back on the racetrack. Kicking is the exact same way. It's a process. A kicker can't make his kick if the long snapper doesn't deliver the ball on target. A kicker also can't do anything if the holder botches the snap. Through being on a pit crew and seeing the procedure and teamwork involved in racing, Allison learned how to do his part and work as a cohesive unit. You step out there, you're counting on the process, you know, the snap, kick, and holds uh, to, to work. And obviously, the ball has to come off of our foot as a kicker, but that mentality is, that particular play is, is on your shoulder. Jeff Yeager has never been on a pit crew, but still understands the importance of your mindset. Like some of the kids that I work with, I just try and talk to them about just get lost in your process. And if you're thinking about that and doing that, then you, you're not even, it takes away some of the stuff that, that gets scary. Let's face it, you know, I mean, anybody that's telling you oh, they, they never get nervous or never were scared, I, I would dispute that. Whether it's embracing a beach bum-like mentality or learning to succeed in high school athletics, successful kickers learn to embrace their process and block out the noise. It's also worth noting the physical benefit for kickers who play other sports growing up. Take Hall of Fame kicker Morton Anderson, who is a gymnast and long jumper during his youth in Denmark. They made me a better athlete. They gave me a better explosion, quick twitch fibers and muscles, flexibility, core strength, you know, jumping, plyometrics, and gymnastics. I did vaulting and floor exercise. That wasn't all he did either. I played handball, team handball, which is an Olympic sport. I was left-handed there, so uh, this taught me to, to jump high, to jump long, to run fast. So, you know, just being an overall good athlete absolutely helped me. On top of that, he also played soccer growing up. I encourage young guys, you know, young young people, girls and boys, to play lots of different sports to develop different motor skills. And being a versatile athlete absolutely helped me. From surfing to gymnastics, each kicker has had their own athletic journey and path to success. But there is one sport I haven't mentioned that frequently came up in these conversations. I'm going to say it's just like golf. It's a game of misses, and just because you didn't put the ball exactly where you wanted it to doesn't mean it still wasn't a good shot. 19-year NFL veteran kicker and Super Bowl champion Matt Stover. I have 18 feet 6 inches to work with. That's how wide the inside of the uprights are. And I knew that trying to aim for perfection was a great thing, but not possible. So when I made it inside the left upright, or when I knuckled one through and it still goes through, I felt like, holy crud, thank God. Like, that was such a bad Oh, yeah. Stover's former student, Brad Craddock, agrees. I think a lot of kids get into golf because it's very similar mind frame and similar motion in the sense of a swing. Not to mention... There's no excuses in it, right? If something goes wrong, it's your fault. That puts a lot of pressure on, on what you're doing. And now you have, a, you have a holder and a snapper, and they're responsible for doing a good job, and they can really affect you. But when it comes down to it, if they get the ball down, you you got to get it through the two pipes. 
There is also a need for routine in both activities that 19-year NFL veteran and Super Bowl champion Eddie Murray identified with. You're trying to swing the club the same way. You just have different clubs or different shots. You have to analyze it in the rough what the ball's going to do. You have to do all those things like you do when you kick footballs with making the analysis of, you know, grass and turf, wet grass, wet turf, cold, wind, warm days, you know, all, all of those things, indoor, outdoor. You have to make all of those analysis and changes. Both sports require a mental routine, a common pattern of analysis that gives you the best chance to put the ball exactly where you want it. The former holder to both Nick Lowry and Eddie Murray agrees. Kickers are very methodic. They're very similar to golfers. It is a regular, consistent motion with the right tempo and rhythm, which you know, I really could be describing a good golfer as well. Brian Barker punted and held in the NFL for 16 years. He spent a lot of time around kickers. The biggest difference between what I did professionally as hunter and kickers and golf and, and even pitchers is they are starting with the same circumstances. You know, they stand in the same flat, same proportionate location from where the ball is going to be placed. It's generally going to be pretty consistent. The only thing they're looking at is the weather, the wind, sometimes the field conditions. And then, of course, whether you're right-footed, left-footed, right-armed or left-armed, baseball or Former Lou Groza Award winner Judd Davis even found that golf made him a better coach. Especially when I teach young kids, I love it when they're golfers because they, they get it. Turns out, you can draw a lot of comparisons between kicking a field goal and a golf stroke. When you kick a football, your foot is the golf club. It's your knee is almost, it's like your hands in golf that's releasing. You're turning through with your hips, very similar. I mean, you can hook it, you can hit a fade, you can hit it fat, you can hit it thin. It's so similar to your foot to a golf club. Davis realized that a knowledge of golf can make kicking easier to understand. In fact, playing multiple sports during one's youth can help an aspiring kicker better understand the nuances of the position and the mindset of a competitor in general. Just like Bobby Raymond, the ocean helped Joe Allison to shape his perspective. Sitting back waiting for a wave. Growing up in Miami, I surfed a little bit. Best waves were when a hurricane was coming in. But the patience of waiting for you, that set to come in as a kicker or a punter, waiting for that opportunity for you to get on your board, go out on the field and, and catch that wave, make your kick, whatever. It's kind of the nonchalant. You care, but I guess it's the, the confidence that you carry that makes it like a nonchalant. Even sports that have seemingly no correlation whatsoever to kicking, like surfing, can help to develop a potential kicker into a better athlete, both physically and mentally. That in turn makes them a better kicker. In chapter two, we explored the idea of the beach bum mentality and how the ability to shake off pressure and bad misses can be an asset to kickers. We also saw how the best kickers learn to do this through hard work and repetition. Playing lots of sports in one's youth gives an athlete the needed mental reps to understand competition. If you have grown up your entire life competing and learning how to pick your spots in multiple sports in multiple different scenarios, then all of a sudden, kicking a game winner seems a little more manageable. With all that said, eventually specialization is needed. There comes a point when great kickers realize their potential and shift all their focus to that passion. For Bobby Raymond, that was in college. 
it wasn't until that point that I focused on kicking. I did nothing but kicking. You know, through high school, I've been playing multiple sports and multiple positions. And when I focused on nothing but kicking, I was able to really dial it in and you know, get to the point where I was extremely accurate. A pattern that continuously showed up. The best guys that I knew of were great athletes that eventually decided to specialize and become kickers. And I think you'll find that with a lot of the successful kickers that are out there. Specialization is a necessary part of becoming a great kicker just not too soon. If Bobby Raymond had spent his teenage years singularly obsessed with kicking a football, he wouldn't have the perspective that allowed him to set numerous records at the University of Florida. He would have spent his mornings by himself doing the same repetitive, asymmetrical movement instead of trying to find the perfect wave. Coming up after the break, a look at the mental side of making a kick. In 1962, former University of Tennessee football player John Murray Armstrong began his coaching career with the University of Memphis. A fun fact about Armstrong is he's the last volunteer player to ever score on both offense and defense in the same game. That 1958 feat earned him SEC Player of the Week honors. Armstrong was a good player, but he became an even better coach. He would coach or serve in the Memphis Athletic Department for 46 years until his death in 2008. Armstrong started coaching freshmen, then when he moved to varsity, he began coaching defensive ends. Eventually, the veteran coach found a niche coaching special teams. His word for our field goal team was the big ass team. Joe Allison, Memphis kicker, 1990 to 1993. Because in his idea, other than the long snapper, you had eight of the biggest asses on the team across the line to make your edge wider. In 1992, Allison and Armstrong's special teams unit became the first in Memphis history to score 100 points in a college season. They also led the nation in field goal percentage, an achievement that earned Allison the first ever Lou Groza Award and a new accessory from his special teams coach. He had shirts made up for us, and I still have mine to this day that has number one big-ass team in the country on the back of it, and it has everybody listed. That was a team thing that everybody knew everybody was going to do their job. Armstrong's ideals of teamwork and counting on each other weren't the only winning concepts the coach installed in his unit, however. His thing to us was you got one down to be perfect. There is no second, third, or fourth down. Think about that for a second. This is what separates special teams, and for the purpose of this podcast, kicking from offense, defense, and any other position on the football field. It's different because there's no in-between. It is a result-oriented position, and you either make it or you don't. 2006 Lou Groza Award winner Art Carmody said this in the previous chapter as well, but it's a critical concept to understand in place kicking. This is Chapter 4, The Mental Game. Not only is kicker a binary position with two options, make or miss, but the challenge is unique to almost any other football player and many athletes. All other positions, whether basketball or receiver and stuff, you have got to be able to do it when you're 
gasping for air. You're, you're coming down. you got to be able to make that free throw at the end of the game when you're running full court and you can't breathe. Okay, You have to be able to do that when you can barely breathe. Or that receiver, you got to be able to run that route and be able to catch when you can't. So there's a lot of different variables. But as a kicker, you're not gasping for breath. You go out there as a kicker, you're, you got all the breath. You just chugged a big glass of water or a big jug of water and you're fine. 1993 Lou Groza Award winner, Judd Davis. It's not the same as being a a receiver or a quarterback that's got to be able to make that same throw late in the game when they're exhausted. It's totally different. You're not exhausted as a kicker. If you look at kicking like other football positions, you're missing the point. Kicking is not a war of attrition. Quite the opposite. It's a mental battle. Can you be perfect when everyone else on the team is gassed and relying on you to do your job? No excuses, no next down, potentially not even another chance to kick until next week's game. Can you deliver? Davis found the most success by riding his own momentum. If I was in practice and I went out there and I hit five in a row practicing and just boom, 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 perfect, done. Shut her down. I'm done. I'm good to go. And go run the stadiums or go, you know, do something for physically or strength. Davis carried that attitude with him to game days. So I want my last kick to be the one that I did pregame that I drilled. Because that momentum would carry over. I know when I get in the game, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I would say to myself. And that was it. And then I would just leave it at that versus just pounding ball after ball and trying to figure it out. I always felt like, okay, when I go in there, my body will take over and I'll do what I've always done. The strategy was a simple but effective one. By the time he was the starting kicker for the Florida Gators, Davis had the basics down. He had the natural ability and form needed to make kicks. It was muscle memory. So practice for him meant reminding his body what a successful kick looks like. In golf, the ball just gets in the way. It should be like you're swinging a practice swing and the ball's in the way. And it's the same thing. If I know, I knew that if I had my steps right and I came in and planted the same and my foot at the ball, that if it's a good snap and a good hold, it's going through. You know, it's just the ball's just getting in the way. And it's the same thing as they've done 10,000 times before. This concept simplifies the idea of practice and preparation for kickers. During that time, the only goal should be to remind your body what successful kicks feel like. Once I got to that point in practice when I was kicking it, everything looked and felt the way I, you know, it needed to feel, then for me, I just kind of would back off because I just take those positive thoughts and all the good efforts that I did that day and just kind of bring that forward to the next day of practice. 1996 Lou Groza Award winner, Mark Primanti. The two-year starter at NC State won the award in 96 because he was the only kicker in college football to be perfect. Perfect 20 of 20 on field goals and perfect 24 of 24 on extra points. No other kicker did that. Permanti finished his college career with three missed kicks, two field goals and an extra point. Really think about that. Permanti was as close to automatic as you can get for a college kicker. He did not miss on game days. There was never a day that I didn't miss in practice. It happened a lot. You know, you learn from it. The one thing I was good at, though, was just kind of letting it go, kind of taking, you know, what I thought happened during the kick, you know, letting it go and getting on to the next one. For kickers who've earned starting jobs or even backups learning the ropes, practice is a time to experiment and figure out what works. 
It's a time to grow and build off of what you had previously been working on without the pressures of the results of game day. No one wants to be known as the, uh, the All-American practice kicker because those kicks don't count. There's no reason to be good on Thursday if you're not good on Saturday. For both Mark Permanti and Judd Davis, success on game day came from the trial and error of practice. That was the time to learn what did and didn't work, as well as remind their muscle memory what a successful and confident kick feels like. Sometimes they say, you know, you're only as good as your last kick. Well, if it comes down to the end of the game and we're down two, you know, make that last kick, at least I can kind of go out on a high note. Same thing with practice, you know. You're not going to go out there and just be, you know, 100% every day. You're going to have days where, for whatever reason, stuff just doesn't go right. You're, you're hooking the ball a little bit, you're pushing it a little bit, or you're just not making solid contact. Every kicker experiences those kinds of days. Every person at every job in existence has off days, but those who succeed make the best of it and show up when it counts. Kickers like Mark Primanti and Judd Davis made the best of bad kicking days by ending it on a high note. Not every day is a massive win, but winners find the little victories in each experience. The goal of practice is to work out the kinks, but more importantly, it's about setting the tone for how you play. If you remind yourself what successful kicking feels like every day of practice, then it will show up on game day. You did it all week. You've done it for the last couple of months, the last couple of years. Just going out there, have fun, enjoy yourself, and just take every kick like it's your last and just go out there and make it happen. Successful preparation for kickers also includes mental exercises that help them feel their best on game day. Carmody, the former Louisville kicker, experienced this firsthand before his Lou Groza award-winning campaign. I love tennis. A couple of my buddies were on the tennis team, and in the offseason, I went to one of their matches. They were playing on a Friday, and I got out of class, and I was like, I got nothing better to do. I'm going to go watch my buddies play tennis. So I went and sat in the bleachers, and it was just me and this older gentleman. Tennis players would kind of look at him like after big points and like kind of pump their fist. And so I was like, who is this guy? Carmody then went up and introduced himself to Dr. Stan Frager, a psychologist who worked with Louisville student-athletes. You listen to what I said about my routine and whatnot, and uh, he basically said I had a good base for what I was doing on the field. Where he helped me was in the visualization. Visualization is exactly what it sounds like. Even when they are not in front of the ball and a goalpost, kickers can still run through different kicks in their head to further prepare for different scenarios. Now back to how Carmody improved. A lot of times I would visualize myself as if I was watching it on TV, if I was watching it from above. He said the key to visualization is actually seeing yourself do it from your point of view. And so he taught me how to do that, how to mentally prepare that way in terms of visualization, whether it be the night before the game or in pregame warm-up or on the sidelines to be better prepared. And I really enjoyed those, those conversations. He really taught me a lot about the mental approach and how to be a little bit stronger there. And I, and I credit a lot of that for me, you know, having the, the great junior year that I did and then winning the Lou Rose Award. Carmody took the next step in his game because of his work off the field as much as on it. Through his work with Dr. Frager, he unlocked the power of visualization. Carmody has a naturally busy mind, so during games, he would constantly analyze the offense's field position and take guesses at what his potential kick could be. Proper visualization allowed him to prepare his mind for any potential field goal that he could anticipate. In my mind, I'd already kind of made the kick, so when I got on the field, I just that muscle memory would take over, and nine times out of ten, I'd knock it right through the uprights because I'd essentially already done it. That muscle memory is at the core of all of these strategies. Whether it's Judd Davis ending practice after five great kicks in a row, Mark Primanti going into practice with no fear of missing kicks, or Art Carmody learning how to best visualize success 
Everything is about getting that muscle memory to do its job on game day. Think about it this way. Most Division I kickers have the leg to make a 50-plus yard field goal with no one watching. Power is not the problem at this level. The goal is to get a kicker comfortable and prepared enough to consistently kick like no one is watching. Here's just how detailed Dr. Frager told Carmody to get when practicing a visualization exercise. The moment that I leave the sidelines, whether it was wide outside, whether it was a night game, what uniforms we were wearing, the entire spectrum. If you wanted as detailed as possible, he explained at the time that studies had shown that the more detail, the more the more your mind perceives it to be real. So that when you go out on the field and you're in those details that you've imagined in your mind, your muscle memory and your mind just pick it up immediately. With mental rehearsal, yes. You know, I would move the ball around. And a kick from the right hash was different from a kick on the left hash. And those were both different from a kick right down the middle in between the hash marks. And then I would picture, you know, where I was in the stadium and picture the ball flying right through the uprights. And while I would see the colors within the stadium, see the color of the football and the uniforms and the grass and everything and the smells, as I was picturing that ball coming from the center through when I made the kick, I, I wouldn't hear anything. You know, it was silent. And I'm always picturing the ball just spinning through the air. Former Florida Gator and one of the most accurate college kickers of the 1980s, Bobby Raymond. I don't know if that was what helped me really not hear crowd noise. I just remember when I lined up and got focused, I was able to shut it out. And I really, I didn't hear the crowd noise. Things didn't distract me. The thing that I found most interesting about Raymond's visualization process, the kicks didn't always go in. I'm not sure why, you know, it was, and it was very occasional. Maybe it was my mind replaying one that I'd missed in practice, a bad one that I'd hit in practice, but it was important to me to just try to blank that out and start over. I'd like blank the whole picture out, and you know, as soon as the ball started going, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, I'm not going to see anymore. Kickers hate to miss, but the great ones know it's part of the game. For nearly a decade, it was the livelihood of former San Diego Charger, Nate Kading. It's like one of the big paradoxes of field goal kicking or sports is that you're, literally your goal is to be perfect, is to make every kick. But also you understand that there's never been a kicker and there never will be that never misses, right? So how do you strive to be something, but then also on the backside, you know, be able to move on and handle handle it when you aren't that because it's, it's going to be hard to do. And you got to not only flush it and move on, but you've got to learn from it. And how does a kicker accomplish that? Well, according to Kading, troubleshoot to identify the reasons why and then come up with solutions on how to fix it and get it right. And, you know, a lot of that's just sort of being humble enough to go back and make an honest assessment of yourself. Part of it's having some backbone. At the core of that backbone is the ability to move on. You miss a big kick in college, high school, NFL, the cost your team the game, and you can feel like the world sort of could be crashing down on you to a certain extent, but guess what? you got a responsibility to get out there and pull yourself together, not the responsibility to your team, to the organization, to your family, to yourself, to move on and put it behind you and, and figure out a way to get it done. Successful kickers must have a plan to deal with the ups and downs of their position because no one can survive if they let themselves become plagued by the demons of their misses. And there's a toughness involved with kicking too. That's what I, the, the mental toughness required of a kicker, you know, to handle all the different situations they're gonna get put in, being able to not get complacent when you've strung together 10, 15, 20 makes in a row, not getting complacent, that's the toughness to that. Not beating yourself up if you, you miss a big kick and bounce it back in the next game or the next season or whatever that might be. You have to be tough as a kicker and I don't think people give that enough credit. One way that Kaden kept his mind fresh 
writing movie reviews. I've always enjoyed kind of some sort of writing. I've always liked movies. When I was playing, I always found it good during the season and off season to kind of find some other ways to spend your time to take your mind off of kicking. So it was a fun way for me. I wrote some movie reviews for the local newspaper back here in Iowa when I was in the NFL. It was kind of a fun mental creative exercise to sort of take my mind off of kicking. And I've always kind of enjoyed that. I certainly recommend that to younger kickers too. Is you know have have hobbies, have things. There's a lot of correlation and intersection and kind of creating other skills outside of just football and kicking and in kind of a roundabout way can actually help you be a better kicker too just by keeping your mind off of it and by creating different skill sets. Kading's contemporary, 23-year NFL kicking veteran John Carney shared Kading's concept of balance. You can achieve more as a kicker when you take a step back and enjoy the other things that life has to offer. Here are some of Carney's favorite things to do during a bye week. Family time, going to movies, going fishing, just doing something to drive like that. Keeping it light and having fun during a much-needed rest period allowed Carney to be sharper mentally and finish out the season strong. Former Ravens and Browns kicker Matt Stover found a strength in his own form of writing, a journal. I had a red one for every single year that I played, and it was like my diary. And I wrote everything down, practices, the games, conditions, for what my thought process was, what my prayers in it, everything was in this. So I had the ability to go back and review what I had stated. That saved me on many occasions, because when I always reviewed the year before, I would always have the ability to say, oh, that's right, yeah, that's right, that, that's who I am, that's what I was working on, that's what I struggled with. So therefore, it would allow me to remember for the next year how to reset and put that in the right perspective so I don't go out there and make the same mistake. Stover began to document his own progress year after year and used it as a resource to gain perspective on the kicker experience. Each passing season became a chance to learn even more. This is what preparation looks like. When your skill set doesn't match the task, you feel pressure. End of story, drop the mic, whatever you want to say. When your skill set does not match the task in front of you, that's when you feel pressure. Pro Football Hall of Famer, Morton Anderson. If it's in your wheelhouse and you've been there before and you own it, you should be free to trust and to do what you're supposed to do if you've trained it mentally, if you've done it enough. If the entire point of preparation is to teach yourself success, then I think Kansas City Chiefs kicking great Nick Lowry put it best in the previous chapter. As I trained more and more and more, everything I did was helping me visualize and see myself as calm and consistent and powerful. Lowry realized that how he prepared and talked to himself in practice is what manifested on game days. This is the same thought process behind why Lou Groza winner Judd Davis would stop kicking after making five straight. He reached his peak for the day, top of the mountain, nowhere to go but down and mess with his confidence. So why not work on cardio? The process is going to be different for everybody, but the goal is to make sure you're ready and unfazed when it counts. I think the challenge for a lot of young players is that they want to play the game. They want to force themselves on the game when they should be doing the opposite. You earn the right to play the game at its highest level during the week. On Sunday for three hours, you should just be. Coming up next time on Locked On Presents Through the Uprights. Without them, field goals don't get made. I'll explore the long snapper and holder positions and all of the work that it takes to get a ball ready for a kick. I think just being okay with the fact that you're probably going to suck for a little while. It's not going to be something that you just pick up right away. Um, even if you start out and you have a knack for it, like 
develop that consistent accuracy and velocity and tight spiral. That takes time. It takes time and repetition. And I used to snap close to 100 balls a day when I was starting out, and you know, 50 or more of them were bad snaps, not pickable snaps for a while. Uh, that's what I did my whole career. That's why I played 15 years. I took pride in the fact that my teammates could count on me and my coaches could count on me. And I realized there's no way he's going to make the stick. So I was about to grab the ball and run with it, and he kicked the ball with barely a finger on it of mine. And this ball helicoptered over the line of scrimmage and went through the goalposts. It was probably the greatest hit I'd ever been a part of. It begins and ends with trust. Trust you acquire and you earn through you know, powerful communication. I have to tell Kendall and Dan Strasinski, my older in Kansas City, I have to tell them what I need from them to get me to the highest level. And I need them to tell me the same. Through the Uprights is reported edited, and sound designed by Cole Weinstein for the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for listening.